Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, we proudly bring to you Mormonism Live! Shut up and sit down. Good evening, Mr. Real. How are you doing? Radio Free Mormon. I couldn't be better. If I was any better, there'd be two of me. Uh, well, that could only be a good thing. The world can never have enough of uh, Bill Real. There's not enough Bill Reels. That's right. <laughs> I think I just butchered throw there. That's but I really okay. love, the sh I love the shirt you have on. Is that a new shirt? It is a new shirt. It's got uh, like pastel floral type thing going on. I'm thinking David Cassidy, early 1970s. You're rocking yeah. it, man. All it's missing is that little spritz of chest hair coming out at the top. Yeah, that's okay. He didn't have that either. <laughs> he had a pristine and nubile oh. body. Yeah, look at that. I not not me. I I, I can I can only imagine. I, in fact, I'll even let it stop there because we're I'm, I look way better with clothes on. Okay, I'll take your yeah. word for that. By the way, chest hair. If he'd had chest hair, I don't think I would have found him anywhere near as attractive. Oh, see, there you go. So yeah. you like men with no chest hair, huh? I do. I prefer no hair. Yes. Excellent. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, how's life treating you this week? Uh, well, you know, uh, this has been the best week of my life. Best week of your life? Yes. I'm lying, of course, but you don't need to know anything more about it. Yeah, okay. there's some funky stuff going down in the city, but hey, I'm a professional. It's showtime. Ready to rock and roll. We got a special guest on. We do. We have Kara Burrell, which I'm going to bring on here in just two seconds. And uh, there she is. Hello. There she is. Kara, how are you doing? Fellas, uh, I've already told you I'm doing terrible. Why'd you ask? Well, because it's just a common thing. Straight from the boudoir, Carol, Karen, Kara Burrell. The boudoir. I should have said that earlier to my husband tonight. I'm retiring to the boudoir. What for? Do a podcast with two lovely gentlemen. Look at that. Anyway. Yeah, that would be the two Bill Reels that we just the talked about. Reels. I, was any, I can't was tell them better. apart. <laughs> um, so let's, glasses. let's I'm start I'm doing off. great now that I'm talking to you. Sorry. I know. I We're going to make you forget negativity. all I'm your troubles. Great. I'm talking to you. This is going to be therapeutic. By the way, this reminds me of a funny thing happened on the way to the podcast. <laughs> hey, well, I what that. did you do today, Kara? Oh, I just engaged in a mental exercise of shutting up for five hours so that I don't lose my ever-loving mind talking to a Mormon man named Rod Meldrum. Very nice human. Don't don't get me wrong. Um, who has some very uh, fundamentalist ideas around the Heartland model of the Book of Mormon. And uh, yeah, I just had a bunch of brain cells just completely tell the tell me they can't do it anymore and just decided to just kill themselves wow. off so i had a rough day um but i'm really grateful that rod decided to be on the podcast what are we talking about mormon stories is the podcast and i'm grateful we did it but it was really emotionally taxing your so brain are you cells. converted oh, go I'm ahead sorry. please i was just gonna say your brain cells it was like a million voices cried out and then suddenly went <laughs> silent 
Yeah, I'm I'm only human. Are you converted to the Heartland theory? Am I converted to the Heartland theory? No. Yeah, I mean, five hours of the Heartland theory. You should be a you should be a, a have a testimony and be a witness at this point. I know I am the opposite, but it wasn't that I wasn't because I wasn't open minded. Like right, you were trying. I was there to listen. I was not convinced though. So well, I'll tell you, I, I'm really grateful to you going to those different uh, conferences. If there's more than one, or at least one of their conferences. And exploring the fact that it was completely new to me, that mm -hmm. I was not aware prior to this, that the Heartland theory seemed to encompass a whole lot of other issues, um, which are very fundamentalist in nature. I didn't know that, whether it's the 7,000-year-old Earth yeah. in terms of Adam and Eve falling 7,000 years ago, the global flood, the literalness of like everything in the Bible and the Book of Mormon. But um, I had no idea about that. And that there's a huge ice crystal in the middle of the earth. This one really stunned me. Because yep. I'd never heard this before about the, the global flood, the deluge, that um, there's water inside the earth. And in order for it to come to the surface, God spun that the earth like a top a little bit faster. So the centripetal force would kind of force the water out to the surface, causing the, uh, the global flood that, that uh, even was as high as the highest mountain at the time and then when the flood was over then god just sort of slowed the earth back down in its rotation so that the water would go back to where it belonged in the inside and now it resides within the earth as some kind of giant ice crystal did i understand that correctly that's my understanding mostly that sounds like a lot of conjecture yeah a lot I, of allowances yeah and we kind of started it was a long day you guys like we kind of started off that about that model and John Dylan asking Rod like these direct questions about like, just trying to like get on record. Do you believe this? Do you believe that? And asking them, what do you believe about the core of the earth? And yeah, that was a true thing he believed because you start with the presupposition that there was a global flood. You will look for evidence to support that no matter what. And so one of the things that Rod said at the very beginning was like, and that's just like, hello, there's so many cultures around like there's, I mean, according to him, there's just dozens and dozens of cultures that have global floods and how could there not have been a global flood? I'm like, could it be a coincidence? Doubt Does, your doubts. Doubt Doubt. Your doubts. <laughs> you guys have a board in there? Jeez, we, we have a soundboard. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is, a, this is a sophisticated program you're yeah. on tonight, Kara. I don't know where you've been before. You have an this intro. This is top notch. Oh yeah. You have me. No. Yes, anyway, absolutely. We you should are take the jewel it, we should take it the ring setting. Say that again, Arif. I'm sorry. Oh, Kara is the jewel within the ring setting that is Mormonism life. I'm the broken prong. <laughs> so we're going to go real easy prongs. on you. We'll go real easy on you tonight because you're obviously worn out. So what we wanted to do is decide yeah. whether there is free will or not. Is is there free will? Should we ask and answer the most important question of all time when Kara has four brain cells to her name? I'll just tell you right now, free will is an illusion and it's not a sad thing to announce that. It actually is inspiring. It inspires me to love people more and to do all of the things I do because I realize that people are not just subject to like Satan's chains the way I believed in Mormonism. Quite the contrary. Yeah. And well it colors everything about my faith crisis as you guys kind of know that we've talked about already. But. Yeah. So without necessarily adopting wholeheartedly your view, does it at least imbue you with a new love for Rod Meldrum? It does. No, actually I was going to talk about that. Okay. Totally. Totally. 
Good. totally. So um, I characterize everything from starting with, I, I see people as products of their genetics and their conditioning. And who's to say if me and what I know of myself was transported into somebody else's body, like rods or like any other person that I disagree with wholeheartedly on things that have opinions that I think are wrong and harmful and don't weigh evidence, you know, who's to say that I was, I was born to their parents with their genetics, with the upbringing that they had only talking to the people in their circle with that conditioning. I can't really judge how I would act differently. So I can be like the noticer of my thoughts, their thoughts, and then try to work in a system that reforms and encourages behavior as a wider scope. That makes sense. So like, I have a ton of love for people because people don't choose where they're born. People don't choose their influences. We can only be the noticers of our influences. So you'd be a heartlander. Yeah. Like if I, if I had a different set of circumstances, who knows what I would believe in stuff. So it is not a depressing fact that in my opinion, that free will doesn't exist. It actually is endearing and it yeah. helps me love people more. Everybody's doing the best they can. And I think that's a great yeah. aspect of your position that there's no free will. What I want to know is what is a TikTok influencer doing if there's no free will of people to influence? Oh, okay. First of all, I want to, if I get called an influencer, if I have to live with that label, I should have to make money off of being an influencer, which I don't. I make money off of being a podcaster. So I have never, I've never like said, hey, buy this product because I've influenced. So I just want to say, should I start since I already have to? Well, could you do label? your first promo for Mormonism Live right now? Do it off the cuff. We'll record it and we'll play it at the beginning of every show. Okay. Get ready, everyone. Buckle in your seatbelts. It's time for Mormonism Live, endorsed by Nuanto. Cara Burrell, it's the reason I'm an ex-Mormon. Boom, baby. Anyway. Perfect. So RFM there just made a fallacy argument. The oh. idea that you can't influence people in the midst of there being no free will isn't true. People can encounter new information today, and it will change the choices they make tomorrow. They just don't have any free will as they're making the choices. Yeah, my favorite thing about free will is the, the sentence that, like, I can't choose to be confused. I have no choice over whether or not my brain is confused about new information coming into me. And I also can't choose that that information, like a domino, is convincing. Mind-blowing. Yeah. <laughs> so um, if people's brains are in a place where the things that their values are already, sorry, let me start over. If people already have a value that's placed within them, that's already conditioned within them, in my opinion, um, they're going to then filter in new information based on that value. And then where you get that value from comes from a place behind that. And that comes from a place behind that. And that everything comes back to the parents that you were born to and the society in which your brain grows and develops within. Yeah. All right. So I want to jump into, I don't want to do free will first. We'll, we'll give your brain a slight break. Fine. Um, cool. So let's start with this whole thing from dogma. You, I'm really tickled pink about this, by the way, you were Yay. really, uh, you were really influenced by an episode I did for the cognitive dissonance podcast. I'm obsessed. I, 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 I am obsessed. Okay. The reason why I wanted to do this podcast is just to talk about that podcast. Yeah, <laughs> please. So what I want you to do is set up for us what went on there. And I think I think there's a little clip we have, right? Is that from this? 
Is it from the debate for Jordan Peterson and Sam Harris, or is this the free will thing that the clip, the clip's a free will maven? Okay. So the dogma stuff going on, um, cognitive dissonance, it was on dogma. I essentially took Jordan Peterson and Sam Harris's debate in Vancouver, Canada, and I talked at length about dogma, and that was heavily influential to you. And I want to at least give you a chance to set up any part of that conversation that was meaningful to you. And then we can all just kind of riff for a minute about what, what was going on there. Yeah. So you mentioned that Sam Harris and Jordan Peterson are talking about different types of dogma and just kind of off the top of my head, how I would describe dogma is like an unchanging authoritarian view of what is true. What do you guys think is the definition of dogma? That seems good. Okay. And unwielding, to new evidence and so they're talking about the problems of dogma whether it's in a religious context versus you can have dogma you know outside of religion with like nazis or something you know and the harm that is unique i know (laughs) they mentioned it i hate these guys (laughs) they did i did yeah i get it yeah um but trying to tease apart the difference with religious dogma and why it's so dangerous. And if you can't, can't take an outsider's perspective as to, okay, I wouldn't allow this kind of dogma. I would, if new information comes up, I would change my mind. But then when you add a religious aspect into it and you're like, I can't change my mind because I already promised and covenanted that I wouldn't do X, Y, and Z. And Mormonism is very, for for Mormonism having so many things to do with like personal revelation and like line upon line, precept upon precept, Mormonism does actually change a lot slower and is a lot more authoritarian and dogmatic than Mormons, I think, realize. And so what your your podcast did was had very specific examples of like, can you see the way when you're looking at another religion or another system that is tied to dogma, that's tied to something that's unchanging, how harmful it is. And then when it happens within Mormonism, are you willing to take in new information and see what's going on here? So Isn't that's it amazing. Your, your allegiance to the system plays such a huge impact on whether you can consider evidence that conflicts with your dogma, right? But if you look at an outside system where you have no allegiance, I look at Scientology, I know it's bullshit. So when someone says, hey, here's a reason it's bullshit, you go like, oh yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. And there's so many, so many good examples and so many things that I I bring up. I probably bring up from that podcast on Mormon stories that people are probably annoyed for me and saying, it's because you always hear about leave the church, leave it alone. And the, my number one response to that actually comes from an epiphany I had before I listened to your podcast. Sorry, it's not all about you, Bill. No, no, but by all means. There was a Twitter guy that I was I was fighting with. I was a very like conservative, like outspoken Mormon back in the day on Twitter. And there's a guy named Brother Mike on Twitter, and his pinned tweet for the longest time was like, like, does anyone realize that like it was ex-Mormons or progressive Mormons that pushed for like boom, boom, boom? And he just listed like, you know, all of it. All of that stuff. Like, I mean, everything has come from agitators, is kind of his point. And that's the point that you make in that podcast, Bill, about like that. It is the system that is supposed to serve the people. And if people cannot reform dogma when it's harmful or harmful or, or contradicting with the evidence and new information, if the people who are supposed to be served within that system cannot have an avenue to speak out against the dogma, 
then what are we freaking doing here? <laughs> like, what's the point of being served by something that's crushing people? And so I loved his tweet because he it really helped solidify, like, the enemies to me at the time were, like, the progressive Mormons and the ex-Mormons. And I realized that if I want Mormonism to be a better place, if I want it to be healthier to serve the people I love, you have to have a, a way to reform it. And Mormonism doesn't. And that makes it, sorry, the word toxic's overused. It's toxic that it doesn't have a good way to reform it. And in fact, it has a good way of covering it up. Like Bill, you mentioned that podcast. It's like when changes happen in the temple, it uses the veil of uh, something being sacred that you can't talk about the changes that are happening within the system. So if it does change and it does reform, they wanna either gaslight you and say that it's always been that way or that it, it was revelation or whatever. And it's never given credit to the agitators. And so what I like to do on Mormon stories is when people say, you know, leave the church, leave it alone. I'm like, who do you think made Mormonism tolerable for you today in 2022? It's the agitators from the bottom up and the outside in. And I call my, I'm, I'm, I'm the outside and now I'm an ex-Mormon, but the things we do, you guys, me, other different podcasts and people speaking out has real world consequences because Salt Lake still pays attention to it. And we have we give a voice to the people that are supposed to be served within Mormonism that are also like being trampled by it. They don't yeah. even know until we push for the change. The change happens, and they're thankful it did. Right? Like yeah. most Mormons are grateful the November policy got taken away. Most exactly. Mormons are grateful that now a, a second parent can be in the room for an or a first parent can be in a, a room for an interview. And and there's so many thought stopping techniques. Um, you know, you raise your hand in. Uh, in, in uh, the negative at general conference, right? Or you you stand up and you say, I'm opposed. And uh, that happened. I don't, I'm not going to say any much. I don't know if she wants to come on and talk about I, I probably should even say that. Yes, I'd love to hear about it. I know. It's, oh, what, Maven. Maven's here. Where are, are you here, up? Maven? Hey, maybe. <laughs> I'm throwing you under the bus here, Maven. What did you do recently? Um, so recently I, I took a cue from um, from Alana and Jane, actually, who are here today, by the way. And Nemo really kind of started this whole thing. Um, yeah, I I always thought it was kind of a silly idea, and I I've even told Nemo this. I was just like, it's people don't vote opposed, or it's just so rare. It's like to stand up in front of all of your peers like that in a formal setting. I was just like, it's just not a real plausible movement. But like when he did it, and then when Alana did it, I just was really inspired. My heart was pounding just like watching them do it, and I just thought, I don't know. I thought I could see why it's still good to do anyway and so i felt like i do want to do it and my state uh, conference was coming up and so i uh, yeah so i did it um and now i have an appointment to meet with my state president at the end of the month so and, and that's my Ooh. point it's, it's a thought stopping technique so in the moment in mormonism that you raise your hand and say i'm not okay with what's going on here somebody just takes you somebody just takes you and reroutes you back into the circle or gets you the hell out of the out of the way um yeah. There are so many things in Mormonism where anytime you have a contradictory thought, there is a mechanism in place that is there that's designed to either get you back in line or put distance between you and the sheep. Anyway. There were, there were actually a lot of youth speakers, which I, I really, I kind of liked because they were all like right there on the front row. And so they I was, saw it. I, don't know. I was like, I hope I'm being an example. I don't know. Probably and why, why have it? Like, why have the ability to raise your hand and um, vote opposed when it doesn't do anything? It's like the apostles say they get in a room and they talk everything out and they take a vote.
But we already know from uh, Hubie Brown's apostolic charge that it doesn't matter how they vote. Whatever the majority is, they all leave the room outwardly telling the crowd that they all voted unanimously, even when they didn't. So it's another thought stop technique, right? If you're if you're Elder Christofferson in a room and you raise your hand and go, I'm just not up for picking on the gays, then suddenly they basically go like, well, eight of us are for it. So uh, you're going to walk out of the room and you're going to go ahead and act like you're for this thing. There really isn't this freedom to navigate these messy issues and get better in real time. It really does take 40 years for a bunch of old guys to die and for suddenly there to be 12 guys in a room or three guys in a room or 15 guys in a room um, that all unanimously go like, okay, now we can change it. Finally, the old guard is out. And it, it, it causes us to make changes so damn slow that we look so damn unhealthy. Even when people like Sam Young push for us to be able to have adults in the room besides just one person interviewing a kid, the church comes along and goes, Sam, you're out, you're done. We're going to stop that thought. And then the next thing they do is they make a change, but the change is half ass, right? Like most parents don't even know, don't even feel the empowerment. Like, oh, I should have another person in the room. And and so essentially the church goes on with the majority of interviews still being done by one leader, which is exactly what they want. But now they get to act like they're doing the right thing. Like if, if a parent wants a second person, they can have one. And the reality is most parents aren't pushing for it because their outer authority is the bishop. It is the stake president. It is the leadership of the church. And it's saying that they don't trust the bishop. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I was going to say, can I just make three real quick comments here? Number one, unless they've changed the language again, I think it says that if the child wants a a parent in the room, then it's okay to have a parent in the room. Isn't that right, Bill? Uh, If, if somebody on the interview, uh, the person being interviewed side wants a second person, they can have one. Okay. Second thing is um, the old saying is that progress is measured one death at a time. And the third thing, before we leave dogma, I got to say my favorite quote about dogma. I've said it before. Now, the two ladies here, are. were you alive in the 1980s? I was. One of the the years. One of them. Okay. You remember Alf? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, a great show. Great show. So my favorite line about dogma comes from Alf where he says, yuck, that's worse than dogma. That's dog manure. Don't remember good- that line. Okay. We'll have to pull it up and, and play Perfect. it at some point so we can violate all sorts of copyright issues. <laughs> and what else? You had that was comment? three. That was all three. That was all three. Okay. I did that very quickly. Okay. Um, and before we move off of dogma, I just also really loved Bill's podcast. This is literally just a commercial for everyone to go look up the Cognitive Dissonance podcast. Um, there you go. I shared it in, the, in the comments. I've literally never listened to anything more. I listen to it. I, there's very few things that aren't music that I listen to more than once. And that's Maria Bamford's comedy albums. And that's Bill Reel's Cognitive Dissonance podcast with Sam Harris and Jordan Peterson. Your breakdowns in that, like it frames everything it motivates me to do the things that I do. So uh, the other thing that I loved about it was um, that- Were you a believer before that podcast? Before Cognitive Dissonance altogether, were you a believer? No, I'd lost my faith by the time that I'd found that. So I can't take credit for that. No, you can take credit for me losing my faith though, mostly. So, and my okay, husband. Mostly. So the reason, <laughs> let's, let's pause and just say, the reason <clears throat> I'm here doing any of the work that I do 
And uh, that's an amazing, cool privilege that I do get to be involved in making content, validating people that the church is false and you have lots of good reasons to leave and validating them on that and making them laugh on the way out. And all of the fun things that I get to do, this space is, is I'm just incredibly lucky and there's a lot of really amazing people I get to work nice. with. So just putting, putting that out there. The reason that any of this is happening is because my husband, a couple years ago, we were, we bought a house, we were remodeling this house we're in right now. And we were all just listening to podcasts while we were working on our house all the time. And my husband told me later that he was trying to look up something to listen to. And he heard that like this RFM guy was good. And he went and he found one. And the name of the podcast was why are Mormons so fake? I think was the name of it. And he was like, I feel like if I listen to this, I will probably leave the church is what he said in his head, because it was just, he needed one last domino, like the free will did not exist. He was already conditioned to value truth and was like, if this guy's going to speak truth, let me listen to it. I don't know. So he listened to that. And then for a long time, while we were working on this house, my husband's in his headphones, just like these, these are the exact ones he was wearing. Actually, funny enough, he's listening to all of this stuff that's kind of helping him understand and detangle himself from the church. And I'm listening to the opposite. I'm listening to Christian sermons and like conservative podcasts and stuff. So I'm like, we're on two different paths. So he left the church kind of before me, fell out of love, detangled himself from the church much sooner. And I didn't know about it, but the funny thing, I've already told you guys this, I'll tell the listeners that the funniest way that I started listening in, because I was just like, this is anti-Mormon stuff. I'm not, what are you doing? What are you listening inside there? I was all afraid, you know, your whole eternal family is going to be gone and wiped out if your husband leaves the church, all that. The stuff. Holy Ghost isn't very and, powerful, is he? No, especially I'm in the same <laughs> house and I don't even know that my husband's being led by Satan. I just mean that the Holy Ghost doesn't protect you. Like if I listen to something critical, the Holy Ghost will obviously help me sort it <laughs> yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So uh, I like to say that uh, the number one person that I do attribute to helping me fall out of love kind of with the church would would be Sam Harris. And it was because I I think 60 to 80 percent of it was me listening in my headphones to his podcast all the time, working on yeah. this house, realizing that free will was an illusion. And if free will is an illusion, how does the the narrative about uh, the war in heaven and God presenting this plan with his spirit children, and they're going to be able to go down to earth and they'll have free agency. Free agency is this, it is, sorry, it is the most ludicrous idea. And there's no evidence that we have free will or free agency, or that there's any real merit to the system for God to be able to judge us one day. It makes no sense. And no, nor would I worship a God that put people into that system. And that's kind of one of the other main things that I brought up on the podcast today with Rod about even if this Heartland model of yours was true, isn't that weird that God created a system where 8 billion people are on earth right now, let alone like, you know, let's say 50 billion who've ever lived. Don't quote me on that. I don't know how many people have ever lived, but just the idea that like, <laughs> not everyone has access to the Book of Mormon or like the evidence of the Heartland model. Who is this God that created the system where everyone has different conditioning and different genetics that make them have different abilities to accept the truthness, truth, truthiness of the gospel and make these covenants that'll supposedly be really important for them and like less than 1% of the entire population. And I'm sounding like that family guy quote right now, where he's like, what you working on? I'm going to do a millennial reference for our millennials because you guys are have too many ALF references. You guys know the one I'm talking about. Anyone else? References. Anyone know the family guy reference I'm making? What you working on there? Anyway. Um, you can never so, have too many ALF references. Um, yeah, 
Uh, Harry, yeah, Harry and the Hendersons. Anyway, too. point is, back on track, Gara, that the main problem that I had with, with my faith crisis started with falling out of love with the Mormon Jesus, falling out of love with the temple ceremonies, and but really, really Sam Harris and understanding free will being an illusion and this narrative about the gospel and free agency is a complete fallacy and lie. It doesn't make any sense. Combined with evolution that I could not go on listening and sustaining a prophet like Nelson who didn't believe in evolution. And I just saw the church is very anti-intellectual. And again, I was very conservative at the time. I was like, you know, they talk about the alt-right pipeline. Like you'll start listening to Joe Rogan and then you'll start listening to like Stefan Molyneux and then you'll start listening to this. And then all of a sudden you'll be uh, like hailing Hitler. You know, I went the opposite and I went, started there and then I went more left and I went more atheist. So you can't take a Provo girl from Utah and strap headphones on her for hours and hours a day listening to Sam Harris. Again, no free will. That's just, it was going to happen. I was going to lose my faith because they make too much sense. So accepting that uh, evolution is obvious and that I have to be in a church that is very anti-intellectual. What do I do with that? So Sam Harris got me most of the way, but Bill, this is all coming back to a compliment for you because the next thing was my husband said, like, I've been listening to this guy, Bill Real, and and I'm like an ex-Mormon podcaster. I was that wife who was like, what? What ex-Mormon, like anti-Mormon shiz are you listening to? May the Lord warm your shoulders. Yeah. And he's like, (laughs) and he literally said to me, Bill, sorry, I've already told you the story before, but I'll tell it again. And I grew up in a town called Port Clinton, Ohio. And uh, my husband's like, there's this guy named Bill Real, and he's the bishop of a ward out in Sandusky, which is like really close to the, like your childhood. In fact, I worked in Port Clinton. I worked at Young's Floor Covering um, right there on State Street. My old stomping ground. Yeah. Just kidding. Um, if you ever have been to Heinemann Winery or Crystal Cave, <laughs> that's my family's winery in Crystal Cave that I was never allowed to drink wine from. And I'm only like extremely bitter about it. So yeah. So I thought, anyway, my husband's like, Kara, you should give this guy a chance. And I was like, a guy from Sandusky. Like, he's got to be a good guy now. So I literally gave you a chance based on the fact that you lived in the same proximity as me. I and right I live to the walleye capital of the world. There's no bad guys from Sandusky. No, it's all good guys. So I there's a few bad I, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was a murder like will, a block so from okay. the hospital. Yeah. What's that? As but they didn't as... have free will, so it's okay. They didn't have free will. They didn't. They didn't. They anyway, didn't. there are other factors. But anyway, the point is I I listened my very first podcast. I just fell in love. And I was like, oh, this guy's good. This guy's smart. This guy gets it. Like the way you articulated it. I can't remember which ones I was listening to, but I listened to, you know, I was one of those people who I binged every single one and listened to everything. Everything made so much more sense the way you explained it. So I, I was really in love with deconstructing Mormonism as you do. And then I had to take a break from it because I was like, okay, I'm over it. I'm not mad anymore. And I'm like, this isn't serving me anymore. And so at the beginning of like 2020, I unsubscribed. We left the church in 2019. And then the beginning of 2020, I I sell these new year goals and intentions. And I was like, I don't think this is serving me anymore. I need to stop thinking about Mormonism. It's been six months. And I unsubscribed 
and it actually broke my heart, you guys. I literally went like through like Mormon discussions and I went like unsubscribe and I unsubscribed to Reddit and I just unfollowed everything I was following. And it was a very sad three weeks. And then I realized that I actually really did like it. And it was good because all of that time that I was digesting like RFM, your podcast and Bill's podcast, all of that was like, I was going to school almost informally for Mormonism. And now I just am able to talk about it for a living because of your podcast. So a million thank yous for that. You're welcome. You'll be getting my bill for the annuity in the mail. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so um, we touched on dogma. I, th I think free will is a little bit of a brain exercise. And I don't yeah. I don't know if there's a way to explain that. I did have a little exercise written down where people try to think of a movie, right? And, and Sam does this where he says, yeah. you close your eyes, take some breaths, try to think of a movie. And, and then he explains as you're trying to do that. And if people can, for just a moment, try to pick a movie in your head. But notice the process of picking the movie. Jurassic and Park. <clears throat> what's that? I picked a movie. Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park. Now, you didn't pick, like he said, um, Deer Hunter, right? Like who in the crowd thought of Deer Hunter? Who in listening did that? Nobody. Nobody thought of Deer Hunter. So there are certain movies you don't know. You couldn't John have thought of might those. have. Robert De Niro. I don't know. Yeah, but you, but you didn't. If I said, think of a movie, we have to, yeah. So what Bill's saying is, sorry, I was just gonna say, if we want to go to the clip, it's the same. Exercise. Oh, let's do it, please. Oh, great. Movies, but it's shut me um, up. City. Okay, so it's about five minutes long. So I guess if we want the audience to just go along with it, go along. It'll with be the fun. Let's before you start, the, before we play the clip, I watched this, and just so everybody knows, going in the city, I thought it was Tokyo. Tokyo. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, let's, let's run a little do experiment. Now you've already put something there. Think of a city any, anywhere in the world. <clears throat> you can choose any city you want. And now, of course, I, I could have primed you. I could have artfully placed cues in my speech in the last few minutes that would make you more likely to think of Las Vegas, for instance. So just to be on the safe side, don't pick Vegas. <clears throat> but pick a city, any city, and, and just be, pay attention to what this conscious process is like. Now, the first thing to notice about this is this is as free a decision as you are ever going to make in your life. Okay, you have all the cities in the world to choose from, and I'm just asking you to pick one. Now, several cities have probably occurred to you, and just focus on one. <clears throat> so, everybody got a city? <clears throat> No, well, I'm, I'm sorry to say that you all picked the wrong city. Uh, <clears throat> don't ask me how I know this, but I do. So I just want you to do this again, just so you can see what the process is like. Pick another city, can't be the first, and notice what that experience is like. Okay, did you see any evidence for free will? Now, we better be able to find it here. I mean, if it's not here, it's not anywhere. So let's look for it. First, let's set aside all those cities whose names you don't know and therefore could not have picked. Okay, because you, you couldn't have picked one of those if your life depended on it. There's no freedom in that, obviously. Okay, and then there are many other cities whose names are quite well known to you, but which simply didn't occur to you to pick. For instance, perhaps Cairo didn't occur to you. You absolutely know that Cairo is a city, but for whatever reason, your Cairo circuits were not engaged. 
Okay, as, as a matter of neurophysiology, Cairo was not in the cards. <clears throat> so I want you to think about this. Were you free to choose that which did not occur to you to choose? Right, based on the, uh, on the state of your brain a few moments ago, Cairo was not coming. Okay, where is the freedom in that? Of course, if you did think of Cairo, you should consider yourself a genius. <laughs> now, <clears throat> so you probably thought of several cities, and then you fit, let's say you thought of Paris and New York and Tokyo, and then you, then you thought, I love Paris, I'm going to go with Paris. And the last minute you thought, no, no, Tokyo, Tokyo, I'll go with Tokyo. And now this is the sort of decision that motivates the idea of free will. This is, the, you've got two or more choices, and you're picking between them, and it's just you and your thoughts. There's no coercion from the external world. You are doing it, apparently. But when you look closely, I think you'll find that you are in no position to know why you picked what you picked. In this case, why you chose Tokyo over Paris. I mean, you might have some additional story to tell about it. <clears throat> you might think, well, I had Japanese food last night, and so I, I remembered it, and I, I picked Tokyo. Now, of course, we know from psychology that these kinds of stories are, are rather often false. Whenever people are manipulated in a lab, they always have some tale to tell about why they did what they did, and it, it never bears any relationship to the actual variables that, that, that caused them to behave that way. So you, you give people... Uh, you can cause people to like one person more than another or to, to cooperate more in economic games by simply giving them a hot beverage to hold as opposed to a cold one. And they never tell you that the reason they were biased as they were was because they were because of the, the temperature of the cup in their hands. Okay, this, psychology is replete with evidence that we are very poor judges of, of why it is we, retrospectively, why it is we, we do what we do. <clears throat> but even if you are right in this instance, Okay, even if your choice of Tokyo over Paris is based on your memory of having Japanese food last night, okay, you still can't explain why you remembered having Japanese food last night or, or why the memory had the effect that it did. Why didn't it have the opposite effect? Why didn't you think, well, I, I just had Japanese food last night, so let's go with something new, let's go with Paris. <laughs> the, the thing to notice about this is that you, as the conscious witness of your inner life, are not making these decisions. You can only witness these decisions. Yes? Brilliant. Thank I feel you. magnified. I feel the spirit. You mean because I picked Tokyo? Oh, because of that. Yeah, sorry. Thank you. Even if it is the Japanese food, it's not free will. Like... The Japanese food in your memory jolted Tokyo to come to the surface. You're limited in what you can pick. Even if you have a even if you have a sheet of paper out and you're like, look, I have a new job opportunity. Do I take it or don't I? I got my pros, I got my cons. Like which pros you listed and which cons you listed, which pros you left off, which cons you left off, which things you gave more weight to. It all has to do with predisposition, experience, uh, genetics, your history. It, it it isn't, it isn't because your thoughts aren't yours anyway. The whole the old Buddha practice are your thoughts. You no, your thoughts are coming 
even if you try not to have thoughts, your thoughts just keep coming. It's not real. And so the moment you recognize that there isn't free will, then free agency, which is the same thing, it not being true, then the church isn't true because agency is not real. Right. Yeah. But even that pros and cons list, like it, it is advantageous to believe in free will. That's a whole different subject yeah, of what you do debate. with this information. Now, yeah. how do you do it? And then there's obviously a lot of philosophical worked out arguments of now, how do you operate in the world? And mostly the answer is like, you pretend that you have free will because it's in your value to act within your values. That's <laughs> pretty much how I would put it. But like, to your to your your example of like you make a pros and cons list and you really feel like you're the author of those thoughts and of those and you're setting intentions and you're saying I am con consciously choosing to go take a job in Nebraska because of my pros and cons list and it's important for people to recognize whether it's serving a mission or choosing who to marry the decisions that we're making like Sam Harris I think you just said like you can witness them as events but it, you have to actually notice that the value of why you want to serve a mission or what you value in the partner, that those are not really of your your own making. Those were placed in you genetically or they were placed in surroundings you grew up in. And then there's a whole concept of like, okay, I now that I recognize that and I look for it, we can never know emphatically. I was just reading uh, the, the, the Free Hill, uh, sorry, Free Hill, Free Will, Sam Harris book and it's it's really simple it's you guys can read it in five minutes but that when we're talking about con like assuming that everyone knows that they're making a conscious choice at all all of the time we can't actually do that because we can't we can't know why other people are making choices we can't always know why we're making choices so it's better just to in my opinion accept free will as an illusion and be the noticer of, of everything. And, and, this is, yeah. and this is when a I very different, I'm oh, sorry, this is a very different thing from RFM. You said earlier, if there's no free choice, then something along the lines of why bother? But if, the reality That's not is, a, it's the opposite. Yeah. Uh -uh. There is you free, influencing there is, if there's no free will? That is my question. Yeah. And I also want to know, do we choose to believe that we have free will? That's, um, I, think that's I would say no. I would say that the value, like my... My decision, like quote unquote decision to arrive at the opinion that free will is an illusion is based on a value that I didn't even choose. And I don't think you can help it. Like we yeah. just naturally move in the world as if we have free will, right? Like we, our brains tell us we do. So when you're like, oh, what ice cream do I want? Like you pick the one that sounds the most delicious in that moment. My point being though, is that, um, you still can change behavior. In other words, if I read the five, the fifth agreement, or I read the four agreements by Miguel Ruiz, and it impacts my life, I now have new tools in my bag. I can now show up the next day as a different human being than I would have been if I had not read the book. So it still benefits me to learn, to try to progress, try to develop, try to become a better human being tomorrow than I am today. Like that's all real. That's that's not connected to free will. That's simply something was put in your path. Exactly. Your brain yeah. told you to take it. And by taking it, you're not the same person now that you were before you read the book or watched the movie or read the newspaper or met that person and had that conversation. You're now different. And so you do show up differently and you can be the type of person who 
gravitates towards doing things that makes you different the next day, but you, you're really not using free will in any given moment. The choice you made was the only choice you really could have made. Are we all in agreement Beautiful. that you chose to read the book? <clears throat> What's that? Are we all in agreement that you chose to read the book? What do you mean by choose though? Yeah. What that do you he mean? could have, he could have read any book you wanted or watched a Hallmark movie. No, you couldn't have read any book you wanted. There were some books that weren't even in your view. And then there were books that your brain told you weren't interesting. And there were other books that your brain said were interesting. And then your brain made a decision without you really consciously doing it, where you said, this is the book I'm going to read for whatever your reasons are, because your parents made you like that subject and they, all the other books were subjects your parents had you not like it. It's not real. Well, I can see that as a way of prioritizing things and trying to time manage. Let's just put it this way is that I, with my lack of free will, am predisposed to push back a little bit about this argument that we have no free will. Yeah, I, I get it. And there is an argument on the other side, right, Kara? Like there, oh, yeah. this, isn't, this isn't clean cut. This isn't Bill and Kara are right. There's no free will. It's There's a really good argument there isn't. It happens to be the conclusion that we've come to. There are other smart minds who have made arguments that there is free will. Um, but I think the argument by Sam is deeply interesting and I think the podcast we shared was really good. Um, in his auto, audio podcast, uh, Making Sense, he has an episode titled Final Thoughts on Free Will. And I shared that in the comments. I think he poses the argument a little better in that particular one, but it's audio only. But I would suggest people listen to it and do a thought exercise as you listen and try to see if, if what he says makes sense. Maybe you appear for a reason. Yeah, I, I was just going to say... I, um... There's a lot of interesting stuff going on in the chat. And this was definitely something that the first time I heard it, I just it just seemed so wrong, obviously, when I first heard it. Um, I think <laughs> what helped me kind of wrap my head around it was just that the idea that we don't get to choose our thoughts before they have them. We mm. really are uh, along for the ride. We are an observer. We can see them exactly. as they come in, but we have no control over which ones are coming in or, or aren't. And even like with priorities and things that we choose, um, if we were, we, we were talking about goals in the chat, um, you choose your goals based on what's important to you at the time. So if it's not important to you, if, if it's somebody else's goal or something, there's, you're just, you're not going to go for that unless something fundamentally changes to make that be all of a sudden worth it to prioritize over everything else in your life. But until then you can't choose to make that a priority if it's not a priority. Maven, do you believe in free will? Um, I'm less inclined to believe in it now, but I haven't really done a deep dive on this and I haven't seen many of the counter arguments. So I am curious yeah. about those now. Yeah. Yeah. There's so, I love, love listening to free will debates and I, it's sometimes atheism and free will just get tied up because you come from, like a religious background where you have a soul and of course god whether you're mormon or christian or whatever else that there's a spirit and an entity within you and so there's this whole other paradigm that people operate within that i believe can you can have spiritual experiences going back to dogma that i think sam harris mentions in that that it's really unfortunate that it's ubiquitous that so many people are having spiritual experiences but then it can be tied down into some really dogmatic beliefs and one of those is that there's a spirit that you have and that satan is tempting that spirit and that you're constantly playing this mind game of like trying to stay with this trying to keep the holy ghost with you always and obeying these dogmatic rules and once you realize 
I have no evidence to believe that I have a spirit. It'd be nice. I have no evidence to believe that. I have no evidence to believe that um, me drinking a cup of coffee makes me more prone to like Satan tempting me to do other things in a slippery slope of <laughs> depravity. Like there's no reason to believe depravity. Yeah, sign me up. But like other people don't want that. But like once you once you once you end that worldview and you're like, okay, this I don't I don't believe that I have a spirit within me that came from a pre-earth life, whether that's like the Mormon view or just any other religious view, it's it sometimes is just the natural way that a lot of atheists lead into. So I love, love, love listening to atheists, anybody else just debating these ideas and these concepts, because to me, this is the pinnacle of how we make laws in society, how we punish criminals, how we reform people, how we treat people, how we view mental health. Everything literally comes back to like, are humans the like actual <laughs> authors of all of their choices? Or are we more like computers that can be programmed? And if they have bad programming, we need to come at this from a different angle and just, having again, a few anyway. people ask if, uh, and maybe this did happen and I missed it if I was, cause I'm in the chat, but um, was free, has free will been defined? There were several people saying that you haven't defined free will. For this. Um, you're, are we, they're probably right. It's the conscious ability to make a choice without being, um, without that cho choice being imposed upon you by outside forces, including your thoughts, which aren't yours. Oh, my favorite thing. Keep talking. I want to look at something. That's okay. Well, That's if they're not right. mine, whose are they, Bill? Um, they're not yours because here, like if you just close your eyes and try to be present, if you just watch how your brain works, thoughts will arise and disappear without any effort on your part. Try to but try to have without, I mean, but by heartbeats without effort on my part in terms of conscious effort. Yeah. Is the fact that they arise and let's go ahead and say it's without effort. Cause I know they, they bubble up, they pop up the darndest things come across the mind sometimes. Like if I say, but, think of a movie, what but, name a movie? But I meant, I, I I meant, does the fact that they bubble up without maybe our conscious effort to bring them up, does that make them any less ours than our heart, which beats without our conscious effort? Oh, I think That's they are. Question. They are not. I think they're not ours because I have lots of thoughts that come into my head. I have thoughts that are completely contradictory to the kind of person I think I am. I think we have all kinds of thought, thoughts to do bad things, thought to do good things, things that contradict each other. I... I don't think our thoughts really are ours. They're, they're not. Um, I don't know how to prove that other than if you sit in still space, your thoughts will arise and go away on their own. You don't have control of your thoughts. You can redirect your thoughts, sure, but where you redirect them is also based on your life experience and your genetics and what you ate for dinner last night and what you watched on TV. Um I will, yeah. I will certainly grant that our, our freedom to choose is limited. And this came to me a number of years ago because free agency, free agency, free agency in the LDS church, it's a quite a mantra, even though the LDS church leadership seems to do its best to suppress it, if not completely do away with it among its members while simultaneously trumpeting its importance. But it came to me that um, uh, I do not have the freedom to do anything I like. For instance, uh, if I wanted to jump six feet in the air, just straight up, right? I can't do that. And that would be an example of something that my agency is limited to do because of physical constraints. And from there, it became obvious to me that there are other constraints upon my 
choices that make agency a lot more limited than I had originally supposed. But I still think that within the options available to me, that there is agency. And one thing, uh, Kara, maybe you can address this because I, I have not studied this like you have. It's just the past week I looked at that Sam Harris video. I told you all my brain cells are dead, but hit me. <laughs> okay. I think that the um, for me, the most difficult place where this comes for me to buy into this completely, because I know Sam Harris goes radical full in. There's no such thing as opposed to simply limited. But in those situations where there's something that we really, really, really don't want to do, but we do it anyway or something that we really, really, really want to do that we choose not to. Mm, what do you that, think? That, that, I don't believe that we know. I think that that's coming from the assumption that we know the reasons why we do things. And we can't possibly look inside our brains and actually know at the end of the day, if we wanted to do them or not. If we did, like what you just said, like that scenario you just, you just came up with, we'd have to look inside someone's brain and see their thoughts to actually see if that's accurate and that's how things work. I just don't believe that there's a way to know that somebody didn't want to do something and then they did it anyway. And that, and that in that there's evidence of free, like free will. I, I don't see it. What do you think? I believe there's been studies done that, that kind of indicate this, that um, people can be manipulated like into doing things or making certain decisions by what the, um, you know, the, the people doing this study. Um, it, so they'll sometimes have things happen to people on their way in, or it could be something like offering them something to eat or not. Um, people will choose differently, but if you ask them at the end, uh, you know, why did you do this or make this decision instead of that? They always come up with something afterwards. They come up with a, something mm -hmm. that sounds plausible to them, but again, like the researchers know, they did a specific thing to manipulate a certain outcome and it worked and the people were unaware. So does it. Okay. And yeah. I don't know exactly what you're talking about there, Maven, but let's go ahead and go with generalities. Does that work a hundred percent of the time? That's a good question. And I don't, because I'll, nothing works a hundred percent of the time. Mm -hmm. Does it, you think maybe a majority, if it's a, a scientific experiment, they're going to say, yeah. yeah, this shows something important if it didn't i would think that maybe for whoever those exceptions were that there was probably something either that happened in their life or maybe something different about the way their brain works than other people's that's still yeah like an allegiance to authoritarianism is what i see a lot of times too and like we don't we're not able to choose that we value adhering to authority for instance like that was that's not something that i can choose but i can notice it and if I notice like harm and that's just, I, again, I'm just a noticer of the things and the surroundings that I have. Um, and then there can be, I have a value within me to seek out something that causes less harm. Like not everyone has that value conditioned around them. Does that make sense? Yeah. I don't know. And I just want to, I want to close out this section because we're not going to be able to prove one way or the other. I would just suggest people do the Oh, we did. Exercise. We're done. This is going to be uh, like in the Smithsonian playing on a loop. I shared in the I shared in the comments the there's so many yeah yeah I'm like minutes behind I'm sorry everybody oh, no you're good I it's shared like, in the in the comments the link to Sam Harris's uh, last thought final thoughts on free will I would just suggest 40 minutes long he will go through an exercise again and again I think he explains it better in this one go give it a listen and then come back next week and let us know if you've changed your mind if there is no free will I do want to say though as we conclude this part of the conversation. 
um, Sam makes the argument, and I think he's right. If we understand that there isn't free will, it makes a greater case for things like redemption because you understand somebody is exactly. really doing the best they can. Compassion, forgiveness. It cuts through the logic of retribution. That's his words. And it helps us approach behavior change much more efficiently. Once exactly. you understand that people are just doing the best they can to affect change, you have to give them new tools. You have to change the thoughts that are going in their head so they can make different decisions. And it, it ends up being much more impactful um, if you approach it this way. Anyway, this is starting to sound like a clockwork orange to me. Mm. Clockwork orange. Change the thoughts inside their heads. Yeah. Uh, you add new information. Talking, when you're talking like systemically, kind of, <laughs> you're talking yeah. about like a worldwide problem of people being brainwashed to think that like caring about the environment, let's say, is not a priority because Jesus is coming back and everything's going to be wiped out. Like to change a wide scale programming of people that, yeah, it's kind of, you, you have to attack things from a systemic view because you can't, people's conditioning is going to condition them to some really backwards, stupid ideas, unless you do things at a wider systemic scale is my whole bag. Then, then we must ultimately come to the question as to who will decide what thoughts to change. Me? Can I do it? Can I? Sure. Can I try? You're up for it. All right. <laughs> now You're you the influencer know. here. What do we have next? Can I fit? Oh, wait, oh, are we moving on? No, 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 please feel share a okay. thought. All right. I just in case anyone wanted a, another good definition in Sam Harris's book, he says the popular conception of free will seems to rest on two assumptions. One, that each of us could have behaved differently than we did in the past. OK, sit with that. And two, that we are the conscious source of are, are the conscious source of most of our thoughts, actions in the present. So those are two things that um, I don't believe in. And then um, everyone just sit with that. Go look at some resources. Just think about the ideas. I actually spoke um, at a youth event for like ex-Mormon teens back in the summer. And I talked about my favorite things, which is dogma and free will. And it's a dangerous territory, especially to get into with teenagers. But it's fun because it just is about like explore ideas that you've never thought about before. You probably your whole life thought that if you're just coming out of the church, you thought things this way. Just listen to some podcasts, listen to some books, open yourself to other philosophical thoughts on this is all I want to say is like, don't take my word for it, guys. This is just what I, uh, this is the truest thing to me that resonates. And it, yeah. it helped me literally like 60% of it helped me detangle myself from the Mormon church. So it's really powerful. So um, I give a good like stamp of approval to that. So it's hopefully a good endorsement yeah. for people to go investigate these ideas more on their own. Well, I will tell you, I never would have looked at this except for the fact that you're on the show tonight. Yay. And so I got some links that Bill provided and I looked at it and I thought, oh my gosh, this is like a concept. This is an argument that I had never even heard of before. And I do find it fascinating and stimulating. I like this question about, uh, think about something, uh, what, that you would have done differently in your past. Isn't that what you had said? Uh, that Just Sam now? Harris said, Yeah about consider something that you would have done differently it's, in your yeah, past. Yeah, that free will is the idea that you could have you could have done something differently in your past. I am one of the few people who has actually done something differently in my past. You have a time machine? Sit with that. <laughs> actually, okay, make it full screen again. Can I tell you guys something? Yeah, come on. What, full screen. Okay, you guys. 
I was thinking about something super duper hippy dippy last night. Oh no, I don't need that kind of full screen. Not I don't have this. I don't need that kind of space. Zoom in for the close up, Bill. <laughs> okay, you guys, tell me what you think about this. I was thinking about how strange it is. This is I am not spiritual. I am like pretty hard. I'm pretty like six out of seven kind of atheist. You guys know me, right? But I was thinking because I've been doing a lot of mushrooms lately, and so many coincidences have been occurring. And again, I'm the noticer of the coincidences. I'm not like putting things into motion. But something about mushrooms, guys, something about mushrooms is interesting. But I was just thinking uh, last night as I was falling asleep how that it feels like that from the paradigm of no free will. Okay, I'm kind of going on, on like a very high venture here. So please bear with me. But in the idea that there's no free will, it almost feels like my instinct to take mushrooms and have life altering realizations that make me a whole new person and made my husband like a whole new person okay no exaggeration like two years of depression for him like <laughs> wiped off the map almost so I'm trying to say like I feel like my instincts to do mushrooms and become a better person and have a healthier marriage and have a healthier life it feels like that wasn't even my choice to do but then there's all of the things that goes in to that mushrooms even arriving in my hand to be able to take it and just like the molecules the atoms that grew that mushroom somewhere out wherever it was grown the water that it came from the uh like the fertilizer that was used every single thing and that that is part of my experience to advance as a human all came from like one million <laughs> bajillion to the millionth degree of previous events that occurred of like the rain fell here and this and that came on a truck here and there's so many things that go into the reasons why I am the way that I am right now that I had nothing to do with and just sitting with that that like I'm not this is not like a spiritual thing necessarily but just how cool it is that there are so many forces that the world is so big and that there are just like atoms and molecules that have been like working that have been on this planet for, you know, billions of years that I'm now taking into my body that give my brain an advancement it didn't have before. That's all I have to say about that. It almost it's sounds like you're talking thing. about the butterfly effect. Am I? Oh, a variation of it. Which, it interestingly enough, was enunciated the first time to my knowledge by malcolm in the movie that you mentioned at the outset jurassic park oh yeah oh yeah 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 oh yes 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 i forgot it's about that a complete circle here anyway so if kara gets like one chance i've had a really shitty day you guys know so if i get a chance to like say anything about anything kara doesn't free will is an illusion go listen to cognitive distance podcast find mushrooms, Do some mushrooms. yeah this and, will cheer you up. And then whatever else we're going to talk about next. Dogma yeah. is the enemy. Those are, those are, that's like my church doctrine. <laughs> okay. So you don't want to be dogmatic about not having free will then? Um, <laughs> no, because the, that, that would be dumb. I don't, I didn't come, the enemy. I didn't come out of this whole religion just to be dogmatic again about anything. <laughs> and I appreciate that. And hopefully I'm not either. The thing about, you talked about the atoms that make up the mushrooms and all these things converging to you taking them and coming to your hands. I want you to know one thing. Okay. Why is it that you can never trust atoms? Because, oh, there's a joke. I know there's a punny joke in here. Because they make up everything. everything. Because they make up everything. I know. Thank you. That's a little uh, a nod to the new Ghostbusters movie, which actually was better than I expected. 
There's a new Ghostbusters movie? A new new one? Ghostbusters Afterlife. Hello, McFly. Uh, to be honest, <laughs> I haven't watched a movie in like three years. Yeah. Oh, well, then you haven't seen this one. It was delayed for a long time because, you know, the COVID thing, there was this pandemic. And they finally released it. And you can you can watch it now on your streaming service. And uh, yeah, it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. It was actually better. There's this girl in it. She's 12 years old in the movie. She actually carries the entire movie. She's incredible. Mm. All right. An endorsement from the very top. You guys heard it here first. Yeah, I can't remember her name and I apologize for that. But she's she's good. The the only thing I wanted to show here, you were talking about taking care of the environment. It was when I let go of the idea that Jesus isn't coming back. And then I would see things like this, which is there are places in the world where there's so much trash oh, that it gosh. just fills the river. Look at that. And there are places in the ocean where there's just giant islands of plastic. And it's only going to get worse, right? We've done that in the last 200 years, actually last 100 years. And so it becomes insane. Yep. That's in Guatemala. It's like I, I literally know. that's a representation, like whether it's the earth or your life. It's like people, we we know we get only one earth and there's a finite amount of resources on it. Same thing with your life. You get a finite amount of years. We know for sure this is the only planet we get. We know for sure, like this is this is your life. There might be an extra one, there might be a bonus room, but for sure, like take control to bring it back to something that sounds very opposite to free will, but you guys know what I mean. Like, yeah, investigate the things and the reasons why you do the things you do, the religion that you adhere to, the reasons you love or yeah. Like look and de detangle yourself from dogmatic views. And so get curious, get curious is what it's get all curious. about. I detangled yeah. myself from all the problematic ideas I had. Mushrooms by... lie. They sometimes do. And you'll still learn something. Mushrooms lie. You'll still yeah. learn something. <laughs> when it comes to our predetermined number of years, I sometimes feel like I'm past my expiration date. No. I do feel that way. Like today. It's like uh, Kolchak. Carl Kolchak says in the first You're Night Stalker movie. He says, I become extinct in my own lifetime. Way to bring us down. I thought that would appeal to your nihilistic sensibilities. No. Actually, you guys <laughs> want to hear something, though? What? Nihilism, free will, deter like determinism and nihilism is why I am also here today. Not only because I mentioned free will kind of got me off of the Mormon track, but and then you have to have a certain amount of like nihilism to see yourself as like, I'm not a spirit daughter. I'm not a chosen, like all of that shit that you're like, oh, I'm not part of like the really cool kids club that got the gospel. And you're like, well, what is the point of life and everything? And then I think everyone has to go through like a little bit of a nihilist phase and like, what's the meaning of it all? But I literally, I don't want to get a tattoo, but I really do just want to, I wear this circle every single day to remind me that life is like a circle because it's fucking pointless. All time Ooh. and eternity. Well, don't worry about the tattoo because it's already predetermined where you're, whether you're going to choose to get one or not. I do. I do. Again, can I do another millennial reference that you guys don't get? There's, again, I'm falling asleep in bed last night. Hi, AF, by the way. Great realizations. Had a great time. But I got the AF part, by the way. Thanks. The kids okay. get it out there. But, like, there's this uh, movie from uh, 19, I'm going to go 1989, Teen Witch. It was played on the Disney Channel my entire life. Top that, top that. You guys know what I'm talking about. Teen Witch, fabulous movie. If anyone hit me up on Instagram later and we'll wrap it back and forth. But there's this really beautiful part where she gets this necklace that she needed to become a witch. This teenager, she needed the necklace to become a witch for her powers to work. And she is like a reincarnated teenage witch. And her drama teacher tells her that like, 
it found its way to you. Like it, if it's meant to be, it'll find its way to you. And that's just like, I get really, my number one problem in life is having anxiety over needing to remember a lot of things because I can't just enjoy a podcast. I can't just enjoy a book because I'm so anxious all the time that I have to remember everything and be able to say it on Mormonism live on March 16th one day or something. But just being like, if these ideas, like these thoughts and stuff, I can't just, I can't, this letting go of this illusion of control that like, I can always remember, I can always be in charge of everything and just literally teen witch changed my life because it's like, you know what, these things, if it's meant to be, it'll come back. And I don't need to, I don't need to just like strangle myself, always trying to keep all of these ducks in a row. The ring wants to be found, Kara. Oh, exactly. Except for yours is like a great like literary classic and mine is like something that played on the Disney Channel. Whatever. Yeah, basically. <laughs> it's all basically. <laughs> all right, we're going to move on. So, Okay, moving on. We're going to do a live call. We'll, we'll take some live calls here in a moment. Do the moonwalk. That'll make you feel better. Should I? Let me do. Yeah, please. Mm-hmm. Okay. Woo! Nuance Ho is not my lover. <laughs> All right, evolution and profits. I can't do that on Mormon stories. Just kidding, I do. Let's spend ten minutes on it. Evolution and profits. What's uh? What's your beef with evolution and profits? What is my beef? It's the same beef as everything. Profits. What is the point of being a prophet seer and revelator if you're behind on every social issue, every well, scientific issue? Because when the when the world gets here. Then we get we move here. here. <laughs> hey, Holland, have you heard of the oh. internet? Because it's about to be all over it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, my beef with prophets is the beef with everything. It's what gives us the confidence that you're prophets, seers, and revelators if you can't get basic things right. I understand things are confusing. Why are there gay people? Hey, let's figure that <laughs> out. Like that's, I understand some things are confusing for you guys. Oh, people have different skin colors. That's confusing. But they always err on the side of being (laughs) impervious. Yeah. Like, it's always on the worst side, you know? And it's not just like, it's not just like, we don't know. It's like they take a a definitive position on the wrong side. It's like, have you ever heard of this thing? Like, every time. Except for immigration. I think they got immigration right before the rest of us got on board. No, they got that wrong, too. (laughs) They're batting 100. Or a thousand, excuse me. By the way, Kara, I what? think that it's better not to talk in terms of skin color. Uh, we should talk in terms of descendants of Shim, Ham, and Japheth. Thank you. <laughs> I am the nuanced hoe, and I am so nuanced on that one. Yeah. That was a reference to anybody who happened to watch five hours of Rodney Meldrum expatiating this afternoon. Yeah. Sounds like you Those did. people loving the care wisdom. Thanks, person J. Halvernet. Anyway. Uh, it's just the same old frustration. And so when I was again, listening to all those podcasts and stuff, and I was listening to people talk about, uh, yeah, organic evolution and things and the way that, uh, everything came into being and it's a, they have a pretty tight case. You guys, like I've looked into it seems pretty solid and you have to reconcile that the prophet does not believe in evolution and it is it was really painful that i have to sustain someone 
who there's these quotes from Nelson where he'll say like, don't you guys know that dogs have always been dogs and that's just the way that it is. And I'm not a believer in evolution and stuff. And again, like you think about Joseph Smith, he had very, he had scriptures and revelations and what was the most pertinent things on his mind that he needed? Like God was like, make sure to mention this, 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 and this. And it's like, what about all of those like people with like black skin? Curse of Cain. Put that in there. Book of Moses. Coffee. Like that's that's what God thought was super duper important. Section one thirty two. Make sure we know that that single people they are fucked in the next life. Put that <laughs> in there. Other things like age of the earth. People have been debating it. Joseph. Put that in there. Seven thousand young earth creation. So Joseph Smith, the prophet of the restoration. I don't know why there's Mormons like. To, to Rod, Rod Meldrum's credit, like me and John complimented him continually that he is doing a literal interpretation of the book says what it says and he believes what it says. And then I, that's why I was never a progressive Mormon because I, it didn't make sense because there's no nuance in this. There's no reason to uphold these people as prophets who uphold this scripture if it's saying such, you know, asinine, insane things, right? So- yeah, so well, we were talking earlier, and it's and I think we both agreed that the reason, or one of the reasons, that Rod Meldrum is so popular among many thousands of Latter Day Saints is because he is bravely maintaining the field that church leaders have abandoned. I think he makes his bed with money at night, though. So bravely, yes and no. But I see, yeah, the point has been made. <laughs> Isn't it strange? Mormonism, I've, I've made this argument on the show before. Mormonism knows less and less every day. Like we no longer know that we get our own yeah. planet. We no longer know where the Garden of Eden is. All no of longer... the main selling points. Yeah. yeah. So having prophets, seers, and revelators has actually led to distance away from revelation and certainty. And right. now everything is ambiguous, unknown, or contradicted. That's the nuance hose argument, too. <laughs> like when you were confronted, with information everyone can start from a very orthodox lens you can be raised i know a lot of people like ex-mormons now right that were raised on a farm homeschooled by preppers right like very orthodox upbringing and then they move to a different city and they get more inputs of knowledge they read more books every single thing in the world is anti-mormonism because if it doesn't uphold the precepts of the gospel evolution or you know treating gay people nicely whatever it is <laughs> like the more you come in contact with ideas that are outside of your orthodoxy you are forced to nuance because you have you know too much now to go back to orthodoxy yeah and i everybody i know that's that's how they made their way out of the world they thought mormonism was this and then suddenly the selling points of what they know what they what they purport to know what they purport you can do whether it's receive personal revelation, they reel that back. Like every single thing becomes more nuanced and less strong as time goes by and as science advances and as the internet advances. Like Mormons, wake up. Like this is why I was so angry today. I called both of these guys right here as I was leaving uh, Mormon stories today. Because like I just said, everything, the world is anti-Mormon. <laughs> the world, science, everything is anti-mormon but we know it exists like trans people exist you know it exists yeah. like loving gay couples exist and if your religion is so dogmatic that it won't let you actually love people in the lifetime that you know that you get then what is the point plus you don't even get a planet not worth it 
Yeah. What is the I know that planet was a big selling point for me. Yeah, that's what I mean. I know. I mean, it was for me until I realized that I was just going to be perpetually pregnant. That's like, you guys know, that's like literally <laughs> the the plight of like a Mormon woman. The world must be peopled. Is is a literal, you have a body where you're perpetually pregnant. Like yeah. that's Sounds that's like fun, doesn't it? Point. Sounds like a it blast. Um, yeah. By the way, you mentioned a phrase earlier, uh, Kara, that I want to just mention that if I ever get around to writing my memoir, I already have the title selected. And that is this. The it's Mormon. An quote. Sorry. No. Uh, but that's not a bad idea, actually. Uh, it's this. The Mormon who knew too much. <laughs> Ding, ding, ding. Perfect. I'm claiming it the here. Mormon I got dibs. Nobody else take that, that okay? Yeah, and to, can I just say something else that's really important to me if yeah. we're wrapping up or whatever? Um, one of my most popular TikToks of all time, because I'm just a TikTok influencer and occasionally I say good things, whatever. Anyway, um, is something that was really popular and, and people, I did speeches on this because people like this TikTok so much. So influencers can really go influence, you know? And it was this idea that the reason why I became an atheist and the reason that I left Mormonism was a simple dichotomy between orthodoxy and empathy. And for the longest time, I picked orthodoxy. And when I was confronted with two choices, I went, boom, pick orthodoxy. All right, like gay marriage, I don't know what to pick. I'll pick the orthodoxy of the church. Okay, now the November 2015 policy and like gay families with kids are now being excluded and ostracized and all of that bullshit. And I'm like, mm, I'm going to choose empathy. I'm going to, and then I just kept choosing empathy over, over orthodoxy and using that muscle, using and realizing how people are being hurt and that that orthodoxy does not serve the value of caring for people that was honestly mm -hmm. instilled in, in the church. Like that, that empathy, like value that was really placed in there by my own Mormon upbringing. Like I had a good Mormon upbringing. I wasn't traumatized by the church. The only trauma was finding out it wasn't true. So like, I kept choosing that empathy and it almost was like a stepping stone or a block to get me out of this crevasse called Mormonism. And I just chose empathy over and over again. And then I'm still stuck within a different crevasse, which was believing in God and believing that he sent his son to die, to, to fill a loophole in a law that he created and that he needs blood and all of that and stuff. And then just going with the same realizations that like, again everything we were talking about earlier was like dogma and logical fallacies of like um none of this th none of this over here makes sense so all of that is to say things work out in my brain when i really recognize this is the one life that i most likely get if there's a bonus round super cool love that but for now i know that this is the life that i get i'm gonna have to keep choosing empathy Instead and religion dogma. religion and dogma and orthodoxy and adherence to that it doesn't serve me, and I don't think it, it serves society at large. Amen. Can I make a passing observation, Kara? I hope it's good. Oh, it, I, I don't know. I just thought I found it interesting. Uh, the number of times a person uh, who does not believe in free will used the verb choose in the past five minutes. Yeah, it's a, it's, it is language that if you understand the arguments around free will, it's still the same verbiage, but to actually choose it, the instinct to choose empathy was not an actual active choice necessarily. If I could re-spin the world and go back to 2019 again, I still would have made the same choices. I, I didn't have the ability to choose anything different because of the conditioning that I was already, that's already been set in place by things yeah. that were out of my control. So yeah, choose but... is, 
it's the language that we use and that's it's literally everything about free will still you have to operate in a world like it yeah. exists so we still, still use the same language there. yeah yeah if you had chosen orthodoxy every time though you could have been rodney meldrum and uh, i could have made the co-host of mormon stories go home a day and cry but i can't do that either all right, let's take a few phone calls and we'll get you home so you can get a nap. You're already at home. You can crawl right in that bed behind you and take a long nap. By yeah. the way, are you in, in any need of legal representation after today's events? Yeah. So, guys, funny enough, I uh, t- was driving home. I I bottled up all my frustration. If you guys know what I'm talking about, if you guys go check my Instagram, there's I kind of had the time labeled on one of my Instagram stories of like where it really started to like take off on Mormon stories today, where it was like, holy shit, like my, uh, I was, it was, it was pretty effed up. So I bottled all that in. I had to come prepare for this. And I, we had this whole discussion. It was really kind of upsetting to a lot of people, especially a lot of LGBTQ folks about what, you know, you give a fundamentalist type Mormon a microphone for five hours if you were to leave completely feeling fine and fantastic there might be something wrong with you i'm just saying but anyway i get into the car and i'm like let me turn on some music and as soon as i turn the music i'm just like <laughs> i'm just like what the freak just happened what the freak just happened and he said a lot of the things that were upsetting and i realized that my parents think that he is just the greatest guy in the world and i'm like holy shnikes these ideas are so harmful Anyway, I basically was trying to figure out if I wanted to record this and share it on an Instagram story or something. So I had my phone like this down here and I was just like driving and talking and I kind of sped a little bit and I am crying. I'm not emotional gal. Like you guys know me. Like I am crying and I am pissed and I am like F the world. I got pulled over. I was like so discombobulated. I didn't even know how to pull over my car. Like that's how I was just like, didn't have my license on me or anything. I was just like, hi officer, tears streaming down my face, all my makeup, all my eye makeup over my face. And then uh, I remember a TikTok I saw the other day that says, if a cop like wants to do anything with you, you just say like, I want my lawyer. I want my lawyer. It was so convenient that I was like hovering over like RFM's like phone number in my phone. I was like, if you, if you fuck, like, if you fuck with me officer, like I will call my lawyer right now, but it was nice. He just gave me a ticket. For driving while distraught. Driving while distraught. Yeah. I told him, I literally, he rolled on the window. I was like, hi, I was crying before you got here. Don't flatter yourself. (laughs) (laughs) There's this old thing, by the way, (laughs) there's this old thing that, uh, 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 officers, when they stop someone who's driving, they may or may not have been drinking. Uh, they'll frequently look at the eyes and say, your eyes look uh, bloodshot. Have you been drinking? And the response is, uh, well, your eyes look glazed. Have you been eating donuts? <laughs> okay, never mind. Not going to go over I like day. that one. Okay. It's not as good as my joke. You guys know my favorite very punny, corny joke, right? About What's my that? nose. What's about, what a about of, your nose? A lot of people uh, comment on the internet about how crooked my nose is. See, I look Bastards. down, straight down. And I say, you're right. My nose is so crooked. I got it from Curtin McConkey. Oh, that's a good one. But you know, with your nose, I think you have, you have no trouble choosing the right. <laughs> Thank you so much. You're welcome. Remember, like uh, Basil Rathbone playing Sherlock Holmes once said in response to a quip about the size of his nose, he said, remember, Watson. That throughout the ages, prominent men have had prominent noses. I feel I feel that deeply in my soul. 
Okay, we're going to go to some phone calls. You ready? <laughs> okay. okay. There we'll are listeners who want to call in. I'm What's sorry, that? Guys. There are listeners we'll, who want to call in. We do. We have, we'll take three phone calls and we'll move on with the night and uh, end this so that Kara's, Kara's been on the air now for like eight hours minus a couple. So yeah. let's, yes. uh, we'll move it along. So Ethan is on the line. Ethan, you're on Mormonism Live with uh, Radio Free Mormon Bill Real and Kara Burrell, Nuance Ho. Um, what do you got for us? Kara, you're so awesome. You and John, that you were able to stomach that. Um, oh, you watched it? Yeah. I, Thank you. I, I, I haven't listened to today's episode, but I listened to the one from a couple weeks ago. Okay. And I actually was genuinely surprised that you let him come back on. Um, but I, I was kind of like, what the hell? Like, why is this guy getting a platform? You said some really messed up stuff. I have a, uh, my best friend is a person of color, and he and I have had a lot of conversations about it. And um, I found it to be pretty egregious. I, I guess it's not getting as much coverage as the Brad Wilcox stuff because he, he's more of a niche yeah. kind of conspiracy nut guy and not like in the general uh, young men's presidency. But um, I've, <laughs> I've wanted somebody to talk to you about this uh, because I, I'm just flabbergasted. I'm like, who the fuck? Like, is there something I can talk to you about how insane this is? Sorry, Bill and RFN. No, no, you're good. This, this is just... Girls. It's, it's, it was insane. Anyway, um, just really impressed with both of you being able to maintain your composure on the last episode. Once again, got to go listen to this episode and see how it went. I've been busy all day, but, um, uh, just appreciate the work that you both do. And, um, yeah, that's just what I wanted to share. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. And, and, I, and I would love to hear back a, a, any comments you'd like to say back to that, but just thanks for doing that work with somebody so unhinged yeah Yeah, again uh everything with its proper context and perspective this is it's a systems not people problem right like rod super nice guy has some opinions not informed right the reasons they're not informed uh are and the reasons he doesn't want to get informed are very much out of his control in a lot of ways but um, I will give him kudos for sitting there. A lot of people will not sit there and take our hard line questioning. Um, but the to answer the question, like, why did we let him back on? Um, uh, hey, John Delaney, if you're watching this, don't fire me. Um, but I really think it's because, if I'm being honest, Mormon stories exists to educate people about the Mormon church. And there's a lot of history that's been hidden and there's a lot of harm that's been done. And we can do that through having people have long form interviews and discuss the way the church harmed them, obviously. What I think Rod represents is what a normal, regular man born in whatever, 1969, whatever, raised in Cache Valley. What is a normal upbringing? What kind of opinions does Mormonism produce in a person and it almost was like a, a a legitimate version of mormonism that you don't get on a video and audio that's almost just there for history to see right. so just like it sorry rod if you ever see this jesus but like it reminds me <laughs> of like the civil rights movements where there'd be people like picketing i'm sorry this is kind of an extreme example but like maybe it's not um but like 
going up and interviewing people and they'll they'll say outside like when there's like segregation coming to their school and they're like I don't want the Negroes to come be in our school over here and stuff you know and you're like those people really existed it's not just you hear about it and you have interviews with people who believe things and so imagine if you could sit down with somebody who was like against segregation or whatever it would be in the time you know what I mean like like to really investigate why they believe what they believe and that they really uphold these ideas and so if we want to highlight what Mormonism is, we kind of have to highlight the really uncomfortable, gross things. And so it's hard when I understand, like, it's triggering for a lot of people. And the most triggering thing that was to me today was like, there was there was this discussion towards the end where he was comparing like pedophilia and bestiality with uh, people who want to rebel against God, just like gay people do. And my jaw would literally, you'll see, I was like, couldn't, right. I... Anyway, so it, it's it's bigger than that. It's the idea that the Heartland model that uh, upholds this Book of Mormon and then the Book of Mormon leads to people to be more dogmatic. The Heartland model and the Book of Mormon evidence, oh, okay, that Rod perpetuates, causes people to be more dogmatic and more doubled down in their beliefs. And I told Rod this on the podcast today. If that belief in the Book of Mormon forces you to just be the most badass, like, christian you've ever been and you love tons of different people cool but unfortunately from everything i know <laughs> from the way my parents treat me because they're like rod's number one fan it causes divisiveness and it causes people to be more dogmatic and more sure of their beliefs and less nuanced and less empathetic right and i have a huge problem with that so anyway the reason why we had them on even though he was on and had some racist ideas <laughs> on the last one that you know, a lot of people felt uncomfortable with was me and John decided that like, what what is his evidence? Let him present his evidence. I don't believe he had any. I believe everything he was obviously cherry picking. If if science dating worked for this time period, I will include that data. And if the science and dating of whatever doesn't work within my time period then those are all like atheist scientist losers who are rebelling against God. <laughs> like, right. like I'm talking like fundamentalist ways of doing science here, right? Like all, always starting off with the presupposition that the church is true. So letting him present his evidence and his reasons um, to the furthest extent on display for all time and eternity. I, I picture the Mesoamerican geography guys high five and during it, like, yeah, like that probably, that probably pulled more people our direction. Yeah. You know, right. That's right. Yeah, you know, they were uh, not. That no, no active Mormon in the world, though. I'm sorry again. This is so mean, but like, at some point, you've got to say, "Oh God, what they're saying is so, so, so dumb." You have to say, "Oh, that's so dumb." Give me a ten foot pole from whatever that is. You know. Anyway. Amen. When I was watching Rod Meldrum on the first episode, I know it was part three today, right? Yeah. Okay. And I was watching the first episode a while back and I was, I was actually watching it, not just listening to it, but, uh, and I was struck by his mannerisms, his, the way he spoke, there's a certain uh, nervousness to his humor, a certain regular stutter that he gives when he's talking. And I thought, this guy reminds me of somebody. Who is it? Who is this guy remind me of? And then it hit me. Rod Meldrum reminds me of a post pubescent Quaku. Mm. Who's that? Never heard of them. <laughs> Post pubescent or Quaku? Post 
Wei Ku. <laughs> I've never, never heard the name. Oh, and okay. that's why I'm so happy. That's why I live a blissful <laughs> life. Uh, the no, less he's a, he's references a, to Quaku in my earphones, the better. Just no, I like Quaku. I, I think mean. we I get along fine. Mean. He's my brother from another mother. It's just sometimes you'll see people uh, and they'll remind you of somebody else. And then when it hits you who it is, then you go, oh, that's right. That's who it is. There it is. All right. Mm, I'm you ready for another call? Before I say something I shouldn't say. Yeah, here we go. FW. So FW is on Mormonism Live with Kara. What's on your mind tonight, FW? Hey, I uh, just wanted to share a thought that I've had lately about this whole concept of, like, you know, free will and, and all this. That you guys okay, but that's about. not your thought, FW. Um, I just okay? want you to know that. Yeah, we can oh, hear you. I, yes, I, but you will, you will understand this shortly, hopefully. Um, Okay, so I, I'm a highly, uh, I just, I think in analogies, and this is one that's been in my mind uh, a lot lately. And so just kind of bear with me and follow along. You need to kind of make some allowances here. But imagine, um, think about, think about a tree, okay? Like the way that, the way that a, that a tree grows. And <clears throat> it's not too hard to imagine it as like a thing that could have consciousness in the sense that like it seems to have wants and needs like it, it reaches for the it reaches to gather in more light um its roots are reaching down to find water and nutrients in the soil and uh it could get sick and it, it has a point where it's born and a, and a time when it dies and, and all this so a tree has like a life right well we don't think of trees as being conscious but imagine you're a rock and you see a tree um it would be making that comparison if you're a rock, this like inanimate object, it would be easy to look at a tree and say, oh, well, the tree has free will. The tree has consciousness. Like it has wants and needs and it, and it acts according to those wants and needs and it, it seeks to accomplish something in its life. It's trying to grow. It's trying to flower. It's trying to do all these things. But we human beings being like a more advanced, you know, life form or form of consciousness look at a tree and don't think of it as having wants and needs we see it as just this thing that kind of happens like oh yeah the tree is there because an acorn fell and sprouted and it's just nature acting out now try to put yourself in god's shoes just go along and you know like if you don't believe in god whatever just like imagine god looking down at humanity and (laughs) um and if you if you really work through that process of how we look at a tree and the way that it grows and uh, like has this whole life of its own, but we don't think of the tree as making choices. It's just like a nature acting out, you know, the way that it does. Uh, you can maybe start to look at like human life that way too, in the sense that like, it's just kind of this thing that happens in the, in the universe and it's playing out, it's a happening. And you, you can start to look at the idea of like choice a little bit differently and to wrap it up and put a bow on this whole thing. Imagine if the tree is representing, uh, like consciousness, human consciousness in the universe, we as individuals are like the tiny little tips of the, the outermost, um, extremities of those tree branches 
there's like 8 billion little tips of uh, this tree branch on the earth right now. And we're all thinking that we are individuals and we are distinct and separate from each other. And we're going about our business, uh, like trying to accomplish something and making all these choices without realizing that really we're all part of this one collective kind of consciousness. And uh, it's just a way to put that like kind of real fuzzy, uh, heady uh, concept into something that's a little bit easier to wrap your head around. And I like to think about that. And anyway, I just felt like I should share. I'm sorry. Kara's doing something. She's promoting a book of some sort. I'm just saying that that reminds me a lot of the things that Eckhart Tolle talks about in a new earth, my new Bible. So um, that they're, yeah, I like that. I like that kind of talk. So anyway, that just reminded me. Present. Yeah. I can just, any reference, I can just pull it off my bookshelf right here. But um, yeah, I think it's helpful to view ourselves that way. I see it. FW. Oh, I already, already hung up with them. I'm sorry. Okay. And I think I know uh, who you are, FW. And if you're who I think you are, hi. And if you're, and if he's not who you think he is, then then (laughs) FW. But no, no you can't understand. Is, but what about, okay, so if we take this analogy, we've got rock, we got tree, we got person, we've got God. Does God have free will? He, well, he doesn't exist, so no. He no, but, but within the analogy, <laughs> Where is ourselves he? in the shoes Ask of God, him. the sandals of God, I think God must have free will in that analogy, right? If if not, let's say he does, okay, because FW is gone. And I apologize for that. At some point, either nobody has free will or there's got to be some kind of line of demarcation that gets crossed somewhere, uh, maybe between a rock, maybe it's before a rock, I don't know, between a rock, a tree, a person, and God. Mm-hmm. And if there is a line of demarcation at any point, then why couldn't we say that the line maybe could be drawn sooner or later? Um, did Does your brain hurt? Are you getting a brain freeze? Is that a Slurpee you have in that cup? No, it's... Uh, your callers, any love that anyone has for me is going to be gone if they re- if they hear what I'm drinking right now. Oh. It's it's iced milk. I'm sorry, it's weird. it's okay. It's good because you got an upset feel stomach. Right, doing I, it. I, like I once heard somebody say the the question was asked: if a tree falls in the forest and nobody's around, does it make a, a sound? Right, and the yeah. response from this person was, well, actually, I think that the question was inartfully asked at the time, uh, not by me. But uh, if a tree falls in the forest, does anybody know? Was the question the way the question was asked? And the response from this other person was, "Well, his fellows know." The fellow trees. Yes. Mm. If if sound sound is just waves of movement being registered in our ears, if there's no ears to hear the sound, then there's no sound. Right, and I think that's a technical answer for the question about if nobody's around, does it make a noise? But like I say, for some reason, that question was asked the, a different way, and uh, the answer that the person gave was, "Well, his fellows know, fellow his fellow trees, trees know. Yeah, yeah, they know he fell. His brothers I, in Christ." Before you take the next call, can I give you another hypothetical? Yeah. hypothetical. Do you have time? Sure. sure. We yeah. By all means, we've got okay. five hours. We're going for five hours tonight. Karen. Right? Didn't I yeah. mention that to you? Like, like <laughs> an equal and opposite response. Like, if I have had this much negativity, I need like so many positivities. So there anyway. must be opposition in all things. Go ahead. You know, you're gonna f- finish my thought. You didn't even have free will to think it. It just the universe gave it to you. It just that was can there. Be too. Absolutely. 
Boom. So yeah, the idea is, let me pose this question to you. If you are asleep on a Sunday morning and you are making uh, the choice, let's say, to sleep in your bed and not get up and leave your house for an entire Sunday. You just stay in your bed the entire day. And then you find out later on that somebody came into your house and actually locked your door and bolted it closed. From and the that, inside? So that you you were in your room, but you had no idea you couldn't have left because it was bolted closed, for instance. Okay. Let's just say it was it was impossible for you to even leave. This Did is you like actually have... Body. Did you actually have the free will to stay in your room? You chose tech. Did you, did you choose to stay in your room? Did you have the free will to stay in your room? If the choice wasn't actually there, but you didn't know the choice wasn't there. See, Just think about that. It's a well, it kind of sounds like, uh, you know, if God's all powerful, can he create a rock so big? He can't lift it. Can he, uh, can Jesus microwave a burrito so hot that he cannot eat it? That I kind said of that, thing. Yeah. I said that on Mormon stories once and people were like, Kara, you have to give credit reference. It's a Simpsons reference. Oh. And I listened and I laughed. Great. All right. Let's finish with one last call and then we'll call it a night finish here. Strong. We've got Mike and he wants to talk about free will as well. So Mike, you're on Mormonism live with Kara Burrell, the nuance ho. And uh, what's on your mind tonight? Hey. Thanks for taking my call. Love you guys. Love the show. I'm an exmo from Las Vegas in the, Grew up in the 80s, left uh, when the internet came out, and I uh, have lived a very uh, thriving life, a very happy life, uh, not following true principles. And yeah, you know, just following true <laughs> principles, go the rule, blah, 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 you don't need religion, whole nine yards. But I, you know what? I yeah. convince people every day, I talk to people on the phone in my business, and I convince people all the time that God exists uh, using evidence. And then I could also, I mean, I don't have time here, obviously. But I do want to touch on a couple of things that you guys were talking about uh, for free will. Uh, you know, every every morning when I wake up, I say to myself, great things are going to happen today. I can't wait to see what it is. And I say that affirmation is a positive affirmation. It's based on the law of attraction. And it manifests in many, many when I remember to say it, it really, uh, it, it, it creates miracles. Now, is the miracle that I said that affirmation, is that was, was my free will to say it? Sometimes I forget. But here's the way I see free will. Our decisions, the decisions that we make, they create train tracks. And when you're at a train station, you have tracks that go left, right, center. Some of them go south, some go north, some, some go east. The track that you go on is the decision that you make. If you make a bad decision, you end up in prison, you lose your free will. If you make a good decision and you work out, you become a bodybuilder. If you make another one, you can become a lawyer like the RFM and become a you know famous, famous Mormon guy. But, you know, and so it's our decisions that actually shape our future. Now, God, you guys are right. There, you know, it's about religion. All religion, uh, belief, and belief is the enemy. Belief is the enemy of imagination. Belief is the, uh, you know, the Jesuits say, if you give me a child until he's seven, I'll give you a man. Because the first seven years of life, our brain to be programmed, it's set up to, to, to be hypnotized. It's just the way we were created. By evolution, so that we don't stick our hand in the fire, so that we don't jump off. Of, you know, we listen to our parents because that's the way we were created for a reason. Now, when it comes to uh, do we have do, do we have free will because we were programmed? 
think about, I like to think of ourselves as conscious agents, the way Donald Hoffman in his uh, famous book, um, The Proof Against Reality. Hey, Mike, I can I interrupt for a second? Mike, I apologize. I want you to keep your yeah, train of thought. I just want to interject that I get uncomfortable with any with any saying that starts with a Jesuit priest saying, give me a boy until he's seven years old. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go, Sam. Love your humor, my friend. <laughs> go ahead, please. Yeah, you know what? That, think about think, think about the – think. You're right, because what do they do? They molest them. They, they shatter the brain. laughing at that. If it's 1,250 compartments. I mean, you know, that's, a, that's an occult. If you look at the Crowley and Black Mass, it, it, anyway, it's a whole different subject. Yeah, they, they practice that kind of uh, magic. It's My sick. good friend it's, Alistair. Here's the thing. I, and I want, I, I, RFM, I do, I, I do want you to come in on this idea, RFM, before I finish. You know, in, in court, in case you present evidence to try to come up with a verdict of truth, and if you don't have all the evidence, can you really know the truth? And the answer is no. Someone is hiding evidence. That's why the court set up a, a protocol where you have to hand over all the evidence you have, otherwise breaking the rules. If you're the prosecutor and in a criminal in case, our yes, society, we have, yeah, so in our society, we have something called intelligence agencies that hide evidence. So can we really say, and then down through the ages, we've had secret societies that have hidden evidence. So can we really say we know the truth about anything if we don't have access to all of the evidence? That's what I want you to comment on, Arthur. I'm knowing about the, pro- the, the process of evidence and truth. And we don't concentrate on that enough. People could say they believe in evolution, but do we have all of the evidence that proves it? The answer is no. Did you guys know that there's not one dinosaur bone in a museum? Those are all fakes. They're all plaster of Paris. They find a little bone and they use an artist's, artist's imagination to come up with this beautiful creature that never existed. Now, if what, is that I'm sorry, if you want me to comment well, about it, that. It feels, it, yeah, go ahead and comment on that. I'll, I'm done. Uh, thanks, for, okay. thanks for listening. Okay. No, no, that's out. fine. I was talking with, um, it's actually uh, Colby. I think it's okay if I mention his name, uh, Colby Reddish. I was talking with him on the phone. I was giving him a break from the, um, oh, the Rod Melbourne. The Rod Meldrum so Marathon. Have you talked to him? Colby's <laughs> a good one. I uh, called him and I said, "So, do you need a break right about now?" This was yeah. around, I don't know, eleven thirty. Oh this God! Morning. So he says, "Oh yeah," and uh, we started talking a little bit about uh, science and how. And this is, uh, I'm trying to address at least what I think of as one of the important things you said here, Mike. It's Mike, um, but uh, very early on in the first episode. Rod Meldrum was immediately trying to discount science. And it was very clear to me why he was doing that up front. And what he was saying is science never has the final say because it's always open to being changed, improved upon when new information comes on. Therefore, what he was getting at, this is Rod Meldrum, was that science really doesn't get to have a seat at the table when we're talking about truth. Because science is, by its very nature, susceptible to change. It has changed. It will likely change in the future. Okay? And it was very clear to me what he was doing. Was what he was doing is he's, he's setting the groundwork to say, any science that agrees with me, good. Any science that doesn't agree with me, bad. And, of course, that's what he ended up doing. But what I mentioned to um, Colby was that, yeah, technically that's true. And we were talking about this uh, cosmos that the ancient Hebrews and other ancient peoples had 
of the universe with the, the flat earth, the waters underneath, the, um, the crystalline dome called the firmament in the Old Testament, in which the stars, sun, and moon are embedded, and above which is additional water. Okay, and we were talking about that was the ancient concept. And this is what Rodney Meldrum is trying to justify. He is saying that is true. That's not just ancient. That's God-given truth about the way things really are. So we're going to use science today in a very bastardized kind of way, excuse my language, to try and support an ancient worldview which has been discounted by science because it's obviously um, wrong. Uh, it worked for them. It doesn't account for anything that we know today. So... Having said all of that, what I what I said was, yeah, science is always changing, but science, even though it changes, is never going to change from the earth being a sphere that goes around the sun to a flat earth with a crystalline dome over it and water above and water beneath. Okay, that water beneath, that's never going to happen. So while it's true in a general sense that, yeah, science is changing and that's one of its strengths, there are certain areas that science is never going to change to. And I think I'm okay in saying that. I hope I am. There's a certain trajectory of science. Sure, there are surprises every now and then, but that surprise is never going to be, hey, guess what? We found out. The earth is actually flat. That Apollo 11 moon landing, fake. No, that's not. That's never going to happen. And so this idea that science doesn't really get to have a say because it's always changing, I think can be taken to an extreme. And I think that's what Rodney Meldrin did in order to support the unscientific nature of his hypothesis. That last caller was right on yeah. one point. That, and here's what, hear me out. I want you guys just to hear me out. Yeah. When, when we were kids, there was Triceratops. Yeah. There was Stegosaurus. Yes. There was uh, Pterodactyl. Are you getting a Brontosaurus now? T yeah, Pterodactyl and Brontosaurus, right? Those right. were the, and, and Tyrannosaurus Rex. Oh, yes. Those were the five main dinosaurs. Brontosaurus, Brontosaurus doesn't exist, by the way. Bit Brontosaurus the was was fake news. He was, so, and you know, he so was at fake, least he, he in was, part. He was fake I news. Can't like take 50, any more bad news today. No, he was like fake news. Fifty years before the 1960s, when I'm reading the kids' book with him in it, this was so late to catch up to the kids' books, at least about Brontosaurus not existing. I mean, they had him in King Kong, right, in 1933. But uh, but go ahead, tell us about the brontosaurus and why does he never exist just himself? just that somehow science messed up and brontosaurus was a mix up of bones yeah, and head. brontosaurus never existed. There are other dinosaurs similar to brontosaurus, yeah. but we lost him kind of like Pluto. Yeah, they put the head uh, the head of one dinosaur on the the body of another or something like that, yeah. and they thought they went together. That was the brontosaurus. Later on, they found out, oops, we made a mistake. This head actually doesn't belong here; it belongs over here on. Uh, whatever the other dinosaur was. Uh, I don't know if it was the Diplodocus or what, but Gazenheit. But uh, so you never hear about brontosauruses, brontosauri, anymore because science decided, oops, we kind of got that mixed up like Peking man. Yeah. And we lost I'm Pluto too. Peking man. Science. Pluto. You know? That is, that's a, that's a travesty. Pluto. <laughs> I'm going to start uh, a petition to bring Pluto back as a planet. All right, I'm 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 almost where Kara was at when she was done with Meldrum's interview. Make so, Pluto great again. <laughs> anything else from you guys? From me? <laughs> anything? Uh, are we wrapping up? My wrapping. This my, is it. This is the closing. Congratulations to everyone who got through today. Yeah. Cheers. <laughs> Amen. Enjoy. Have a great day. Something Have a great stronger day, than milk. Everybody.
Thank you, everybody. Thank wait, you, Norm. Wait, 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 wait. Before we go, oh, wait, wait, before wait. we go, before we go, wait. Yes. We yeah. are doing a game with Bill Real on oh, I love it. Sunday. Yes, on That's the Sunday. Discord. We're going to be playing Moral Dilemma. I was going to announce that at the beginning, and I totally, totally forgot. So yeah, do you guys have a Discord Facebook page? Yeah, we we have joined the Mormon Stories Discord, so that's that's the Discord that we are on. Um, and so yeah, I've already got a link up there, but I'm, I'll just repost it just to get it up again. So yeah, bless you. I want to uh, come in and play along with Bill and uh, make a case for what decision you would make uh, in the moral mm. dilemma. It should be fun. It's it's a fun game, by the way. You get put right on the line of two, like a Sophie's choice of things you don't want to do, but you got to pick one. And then you get to, we get to have a conversation about why you picked what you did or why I picked what we, what I did. And it will be quite interesting. I think. That's great. Cool. I didn't know that. Thank you for announcing it. I'm glad Bill is playing this game because as an attorney, one of the side benefits is that I never have a moral dilemma. <laughs> you sold that away a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Bye-bye everyone. Bye.